Podcast One. Husband and wife team Angela and Andy Smith of Dr Drip Plumbing were the perfect couple with the perfect business. Then things started to unravel. Fortunately, through some smart questions, tough decisions and a will to succeed, they are back, bigger and better than ever. Andy now works one hour a week and they spend the rest of their time enjoying life and showing other business owners how to do the same. It's a confronting yet inspiring episode 510 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. And welcome back to your weekly dose of honest-to-goodness marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner and you are well and truly ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire that it absolutely deserves to be. And that's pretty much what we do around here. Plus, if you'd like a little bit more of where this came from, then you can join our free Facebook group to discuss the learnings from each episode with myself and others just like you. Just search for the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe on Facebook and I'll see you on the inside. Big show today. Husband and wife team Andy and Angela Smith and owners of the cleverly named plumbing business Dr Drip share their roller coaster journey of how they built a successful business only for it to crumble. And I mean crumble. This week's Monster Prize Draw winner is cleverly using scarcity to grow their business. And I let you in on next week's guest, who at the peak owned 10 businesses, but has now got that down to one that they absolutely love. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Owners of Dr. Drip Plumbing and co-founders of The Lifestyle Tradie, Andy and Angela Smith, are down-to-earth business founders, authors and educators whose story takes them from rock bottom to a total business and life transformation. At Dr. Drip's peak, they had a team of 17 tradies with eight vehicles on the road, but the headaches of running and growing a business like that caught up with them and their lives fell into complete chaos, as you're about to hear. They climbed out the hard way to turn Dr. Drip into a profitable, systematised business. How often do we hear that? Systematised, learning their biggest lessons through expensive trial and error. Well, today they still own and operate Dr. Drip, with Andy only working on that business one hour a week. How nice is that? Plus, they share their lessons with other trade business owners through their award-winning education company, Lifestyle Trading. This is a seriously honest chat with a couple who have been through the ringer and come out the other side happier and wealthier than ever before. I kicked off by asking them to describe the Dr. Drip business before the shit hit the fan. Yeah, it was a great business, you know, as most business owners started off as a one-man show and we were lucky enough to grow extremely quickly and um, we had an incredible business, uh, making incredible money and and really it's pumping a lot of that money into the growth of the business. It was, it was great. What do you attribute that initial success to? 
Well, I, I think my drive, you know, Ange and I had travelled around Australia for 13 months and overseas for a year and we came back and our friends had bought property and made a lot of money and we felt like we we're really behind the eight ball and people that know me, I'm a very competitive guy and I thought this is my time to work seven days a week, 24 hours a day and get on top. A team of 17 and eight trucks on the on the road, you know, back in back in that day, it was really like, it was really full on in a good way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely loving it. And then you hit rock bottom. What happened? Yeah, it was interesting. We we sort of went down that path. It's easier looking back on it now. You don't realise at the time, but we just were growing so fast. We had so much work um, and it just gradually started getting more and more out of control. It was more money coming in the door, more money going out the door and the growth was what it was all about for me. I was just about another truck, another truck, another guy, another truck. And and from the outside, everyone was looking, thinking, what an incredible business. But um, near the end of it, from the inside, we were absolutely hemorrhaging. And I didn't really know a, a way out. And so I just kept working harder and did what the tradies do and put our head in the sand and try not to look at the figures too often and just went as hard as I possibly could. I think on reflection, as a trade business owner, you're not taught, or Andy was never taught, how to operate a successful business. So he did what he knew best, which was just get busy, you know, work harder, work longer. Well, I think most of us tradies, we're, we're pretty confident fellas and we, we know we're good with our trade. So we get out there and think, how hard can it be? And um, when it comes to working on the tools, we're so we're amazing. Majority of us are, obviously. <laughs> but uh, uh, when it comes to running a business, it's very poor. And, and that's the difference between success these days is actually knowing how to run a business. You don't have to be the best tradie, but you definitely know how to run, got to run the right business. And we've never been taught that. So that's an important factor. It's incredible, isn't it? At, at TAFE or wherever you you get your, your ticket, if that's what it's called, uh, you, you are taught to, you know, the, all about the pipes and the circuits and whatever it is, the trade that you're learning. But every everyone I speak to, there is no subject or even, you know, an amount of time dedicated to running a business. I find that extraordinary. Hence why Lifestyle Trading, which we'll talk about shortly, I'm sure covers that. Ange, I want you to give me an honest description uh, as if Andy wasn't sitting next to you right now of what he was like as the business went into a downward spin. Well, to start in the other side, he was like so driven when we got back from travelling uh, around Australia and Canada. He just he just wanted to work such ridiculously long hours and he was so dedicated and driven to do exceptionally well. And because the business had grown so much, he was like, uh, we, we almost joke about the fact on ref- reflection now that he was somewhat arrogant. He had great with his hands, really good at relationships and that's what helped him grow the business to what it was. But there was definitely a moment when things all fell apart and when you think about why you started your business in the first place, for him, he says it was so that we could make really good money and I could actually be around the family and have a holiday. And we just had this baby girl through IVF, which is a whole nother issue. And the whole point was to be around, but he would leave really early in the morning. He would get back late, really late at night. We had um, an emergency business. So the phone was literally attached to his head 24 seven. And it was interesting to see in a, in a bad way, you'd go out for dinner with friends or just the two of us and I would often be sitting at that table alone and I'd look through the glass and there'd be Andy out on the outside of the glass with a phone attached to his head. I'd be socialising with my buddies without him. That was a very normal occasion. 
Andy, you weren't one of those blokes with the black Bluetooth earpiece permanently attached <laughs> to your ear, were you? It's not, it's not no, a good look. Were you that bloke? Uh, no, I certainly wasn't, <laughs> mate. I've never been that guy. I've I've used the old bicep muscle and held the thing to my head for a long time. Yes. I've got yes. um, AirPods these days, but uh, back then, no. <laughs> Andy, what do you recall? Like, what do you feel when you go back to that that time as the business blossomed and grew and then all of a sudden started to spiral downwards. What, what, what's that feeling you hold? Yeah, I think there's an element that when you grow at such a fast level like we did from the outside, as we said, you know, everyone was praising me and you're an amazing businessman and look at what you're doing. And and um, you do, you grow an ego and you start believing your own bullshit, to be honest. And, and then all of a sudden when things started turning and I started seeing, you know, making 50K or more a month to, to losing 50K or more a month, and all of a sudden you're like, what is going on here? Something's horribly wrong. And the accountant sat me down and said, what's happening? And I'm like, okay, I've got to fix this. And I didn't know how. And I was dragging money out of the home loan, which Ange didn't know about. And I was using it to prop and pay wages. And and it became really stressful. And and as a man, you, you know, well, for myself, I kept that in. And Ange probably saw that I was very stressed at times. But it'd be times I'd be crying in the car before going upstairs to work. And, and um, um, I'd, ru- I'd run up the stairs and I'd be the the bubbly, happy guy that I was meant to be and, come on, guys, let's go. But um, deep down I was hurting and I really had no one to turn to. So it, it was a challenging time. But I, I think when we really hit rock bottom was um, the day I came home and, and Ange pretty much said, I'm done, you know, and I'm like, Excuse me. What do you What do you mean? She says I'm done. I just can't live like this anymore. You've got we've got a newborn baby through IVF, and and you never see her, and you, you leave early in the morning, and you're home at night. She said I can't live my life like this, and I was just like, my first reaction was of anger, you know, and I was like, are you freaking kidding me? I have worked my absolute butt off for this family. I have done everything for you and our daughter at the time, um, our daughter. And it's like, and you're saying you're just done. And I just couldn't really see it from her level. And I, to be honest, I said a few words I probably regret. And I walked out the door and, and thought, this is a joke. You know, I've done everything for, for our family and this is what I wanted. And and it wasn't really until I reflected up on, we went up to a headland, we live in Monovale. And, and um, I was up on the headland. I'm like, you know what? I just was in tears and first it was all anger and and then it was being upset and then it was like, you know what, Angie's right. I'm not enjoying where I am at the moment. I'm not enjoying the path that this has led me to. We've been so successful and, and we've done so many amazing things, but now it's just turned into an absolute disaster. Angie's shaking her head ever so slightly as listening to that. Angie? It really does take you back. These awful dark days of he just really wasn't around And especially when he eventually came back and told me things like that he'd been taking money from the home loan and not even telling me about it. I mean, it's pretty awful to hear that when once you thought you had this really open, trusted relationship, the fact that he was doing this stuff behind your back. I mean, no one wants to hear that stuff. But what was cool was the fact that he actually had this realisation because I would have said, you know, for, for a lot of trade business owners that we talk to, they're really, really proud 
And it and it really is like saying you you know Andy jokes about the fact that it's like I called his baby ugly because his business really ugly baby syndrome. Yeah. Well, I think I think it is that you know all of us people that have a business you build it up and it's like it's like your baby and really I look back at that moment Nance was just calling my baby freaking ugly you know and and I didn't appreciate that I don't think anyone would but um you know calling you ugly would have been okay but (laughs) mate (laughs) mate, anyone that's seen me knows I'm an ugly fella so. No problems there, mate. (laughs) Hey, listen, I I want to pause and just to say, I imagine there are business owners listening right now and we might have triggered something in them. And I just want to say to them, um, please go and talk to someone, um, call Lifeline, call your local community support network, call the local chamber, find a mentor, speak to your partner, just yeah, you guys are nodding, agreeing with that. So, yeah, just want to pause there and, and really encourage people to do that because, in my experience, communication is everything. What was the communication between you two like in the lead up to all this falling down? Did you have open lines or were you living two separate lives? I think we were living two separate lives, to be honest. Yeah, we um, started off when the business first started, there was a lot of open lines and, and then I think as things got busier and more hectic and I wasn't around, it, it started to break down and that's something that we definitely um, we had to fix and, you know, at the end of it, I, I pulled myself up off the headland and came back down and saw Ange and, and said, you know what, you're right and and, but I, you know, and I was in tears and it was a bit like, so what are we going to do? I just, and I, and I see this and because of the business we're in now, I see it with business owners all day long. And, and there's many times where I'm a marriage counselor and, and it, it, you know, business is so high pressure and it's, especially when things aren't running well, if you don't have a structured business the right way, there's just so many things that just sucks the living crap out of you, to be honest. And it's just so hard business. But if you can push through that and get to the other side, wow, what a journey. Starts with a reality check, Tim. Yeah, clearly. And that's where we had to start. Well, wow. And what an honest place that would be. So Andy comes back from the headland, looks you in the eye and says, you're right. You know, like, yep, we've done well, but now we've really stuffed things up and you're going to turn it around. It'd be so easy. The the easy option, I guess, would have been to... It sounded like you were suggesting you're going to go and leave the marriage with newborn. Is that what you were suggesting, Ange? Or were you going to close the business, walk away from everything? I definitely wasn't in a situation where our marriage had deteriorated like that, but I definitely didn't want to see him the way he was, mm. uh, he, even though he would wake up and... and on the outside, it looked like he had it all together. I knew it wasn't a life that he enjoyed and it wasn't the reason why he started the business. So we did definitely have a conversation of, okay, well, what are our options? You know, we could shut the business down. We could move away. Um, we could go, you know, we did talk about we could move to Byron, <laughs> live a totally different life. And then, you know, and then reality starts that you start going, you know what, we're crazy. We've had this business for years. It's actually an incredible business, but somewhere, somehow something went wrong. We've got a team of 17 that all rely on us. They all have families. They all have mortgages. We cannot just let this business fall apart. So so what did you literally do in those first days after the headland, headland incident? Did you lock yourselves away and get a whiteboard out? What does that look like? Well, I actually went to my brother and um, 
and I, you know, he's a, a smart guy in his own right. And and I went to him and I said, listen, you know, I'm having a few challenges and this is what's happened in the business and I'm struggling and I don't really know what to do. And it was amazing just looking back on that. And he just looked at me and said, Andy, you're one of the best business per- persons I know. And you've, you have this, you, you know, just go back, get your, get your thinking brain on and, and um, just get into it. And I sort of walked out of there dejected because I actually really was reaching out for help. And I, I went to a past boss as well and had a chat with him and, and um, he said, how's the things going? You're killing it these days. And, and I said, yeah, well, it's not as good. And, and, you know, and his reaction was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. You know, it was almost an element of he was happy because no one, a lot of people don't like seeing their, their um, workers go out and be successful. And it was a, Tall poppy, yeah, and it was a bit of like, ah, the grass isn't always greener, you know, and I felt like walking, you know, I almost stuck my finger up and walked out. But, (laughs) you know, it was just one of those things where I was just like, oh, my God, I really am alone here. I've gone to, you know, two people that I really trust and and that could help me and they just keep going, you'll be right, mate, you'll be right, no problem. So it was a point where we sat down and... And Ange and I just went, well, where do we start? And we knew where we were at A and that was in a pretty dire space. So we talked to the accountant and we um, ran all our numbers and knew exactly where we were. And then we said, well, where do we want to go? So then we knew where we wanted to go and then it was about mapping out that journey and and how we're going to get there. And we worked with a lot of mentors and a lot of people around the country and also overseas to help us be the best of the best. There was no one out there that taught trades how to run a business. So we had to mould. Mm, yeah, we had to mould. So, so my question there is, how? That's awesome. You go and you go to your accountant. Your brother-in-law is telling everything's going to be okay. You you start to put some strategies in place and find mentors and training and all that stuff. How do you stop panic from settling in? Because you're saying you're hemorrhaging fifty grand a week or whatever it was. You've got seventeen people to pay. You've got you've got a you still got a business to run, clients to serve. Um, personally, I'd find it really hard to stop panic just racing through the door. Yeah, it was tough. And um, I think the big thing that really was an eye-opener that, and most business owners do this, is when you grow, you just acquire more and more shit, you know, and and um, all of a sudden I sat down with my P&Ls, I looked at everything, I looked at my staff, and in that day I'd shaved off $350,000 worth of expenses. So I'd really just cut all some, some marketing that wasn't getting the right ROI, I cut some staff, I cut some, um, you know, I sold some equipment, I just really really zoomed in on the business and we went from a team of 17 down to a team of 12 and I just kept the best of the best. Then I rallied the troops because what happened is once the, te- once the business starts getting away from you, the team see it as well and they start slipping away from you as well and start getting up to no good. So I brought everyone in and said, this is what's going to change. This is where we are. We've, we're an amazing business, but we've had some challenges and um, and this is how we're going to get out of it. And it was um, it was incredible. Everyone really did rally and, and pick up and with those um, cutting those costs, it made a massive difference. We went from hemorrhaging to, you know, still losing some money at the start, but nowhere near what it was. Was it a surprise, Ange, to the staff when they were when you had to lose five people? They didn't expect that. But was, did the staff know what were going on? We had to be really honest, and I think by chopping a couple of heads, as much as that sounds awful, it made the others go, "Oh my gosh, they're really serious." 
Um, and because we painted the picture of where Dr Drip needed to be, they, they understood their involvement in the business and they always had, you know, the culture actually in the business was really good. But like what Andy said, they'd kind of just, everyone had just got too big for their boots. We all had mm. an Andy inclusive. And this was a real grounding moment because I can imagine it would have been really hard for Andy to be that honest, uh, to, even to me, about what actually was going on because I spent a lot of my time at home with Hannah uh, and I started coming in, you know, obviously because we actually had this set this plan about what we wanted to do, we set a time frame and said, "There's." I tell you what, though, Tim. There's nothing more motivating when you're losing that much money, <laughs> uh, and everyone is relying on you about what you need to fix. And knowledge is fabulous, you know. Getting an education is fabulous, but you've got to actually act. You've actually got to, you've got to make change, and you've got to do it really fast. I think the big thing with the staff were, you know, they do understand, but I think all staff deep down still think most business owners are absolutely loaded. And yes. and I will say we did make a lot of money in those days. So they did see where we we're living, what we we're doing, but when it all turns, they don't realise the debt that you have and everything else that comes with it. So they still see you as mega rich. So they sort of go, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like my basic wage, but they they don't understand the severity of it, I suppose. I, I think they, that's a really interesting point. And, and I've maybe even been guilty of it myself when I, way back when I was actually employable and was an employee. And you think that business owner is just raking it in. I've come across businesses that have been completely transparent with their P&Ls and balance sheets and said, this is where we're at, guys, and sharing that with the staff. And that's, you know, that's pretty brave in itself, but has also the effect of bringing everyone under the same roof and knowing that, you know, we're all in, in this together. Do you do that now? No, we don't We don't um, do it to that level. I think there's an element of if, say, for instance, the business is losing money, no one really wants to see P&Ls of a business losing money because they're scared of their job. And if the business is making a fortune, no one really wants to see that either because they think, oh, my God, I need to get paid more. So there is an element of that. We do have some key members within our team that see those figures, uh, but we don't we don't broadcast it because there can be that challenge then of how do you manage that depending on how the business is. Lose, lose. Tell me, uh, can you can you recall the moment then when things actually turned around? And I'm not I'm expecting it to be a hockey stick kind of graph, but was there something that you did or a moment in time where you looked at each other and gone, we, we've got this? Yeah, I think at the start when I shaved so much money off and we actually had a plan and that's where most businesses go wrong. They don't even have a plan. But when you actually know what you're doing and where you're going, that gives you a self of, okay, I know what's got to be done. Stop whinging and whining, Andy. Let's get on to it and make it work. And then I think there was an element there probably around the 12-month mark where we really saw a dramatic change and and it was at a point where it was like, wow, we are back well and truly and, and we are on again, which was amazing. But we there was a lot of late nights and it was seven days a week and there was a lot of money even spent um, with other education um, pieces like the experts in marketing and accountants and advisors and and people that um, specialise in all different types of business. So we we were happy to pay the money. We still had money, but we were happy to spend the money to get everything right, systemise our business exactly the right way. And and at that twelve month mark, wow, we geez, we'd turned it around. Where's Doctor Drip today? 
Yeah, we're sitting in a really good place um, these days. Obviously, with the coronavirus, we are a maintenance-style business. We only see Mr and Mrs Jones at their house. So there was an element there that um, some people didn't want us in their home. So that slowed us down a little bit, but um, it's really firing all cylinders. And and I think, um, as we mentioned, systems are the key to any business. And when you can get it set up the right way. Nothing ever goes wrong in our business anymore unless a system breaks down. And, and I'm only involved in that business less than an hour a week these days. And, and that's really when, yeah, it's pretty crazy, but um, we're less than an hour of the week these days. And, and that's just having a meeting with the boys just to keep the team culture and that happening. Because if it's so systemized and um, you do it the right way. You don't have to be that involved. And and what I realised when I was bigger and better, you know, I would take on any job and I realised that I had to dumb my business down to take all the pressure off me because most of my workers couldn't do what I did. So I had to dumb the business down and I looked at people like other franchise models that had really grown, they dumb their business down. So I thought, well, what's the simplest, easiest business model for us that we can market, we can get customers in, we can we can give good service and um, we set our business up like that and, and it's been an absolute um, godsend and we just don't have a lot of the, the challenges of having to wine and dine and meet people every five minutes to try and win these big contracts. We're just in and out, we collect our money on the spot and it's absolutely changed our world and there's just no headaches. That totally changed though even back then when we set this time frame of what we needed to do to change Dr Drip when it was completely in a shambles and chaos. So that 12-month, 13-month mark was the moment that Andy actually started working an hour a week in the business. It was such a such a ridiculously huge change inside the business that, you, I mean, it, it seems ridiculous, like it seems unheard of. <laughs> I remember coming home and I, I walked into the office. We had a, a, a pretty big office and and I, I walked upstairs and I walked into my room and I sat with the computer and I'm like, okay, so what am I going to do? And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't have anything to do. <laughs> so I walked into the team and I said to them, okay, so what do you need from me? And they're like, Andy, we need nothing. I said, well, I'm, I've got nothing Get on at the moment. What You're do you in need? the way. Pretty much. And, yes. <laughs> and I know this is going to sound really weird and unless you've been in this situation, you're probably not going to get it. But I've talked to many people that have been in this situation. I went home and Ange said to me, what is wrong with you? You just don't seem happy. And I said, I don't. I'm not happy. She said, why? And I said, because I go into work now. I've got nothing to do. I, I don't know what to do with myself. They don't want to, They don't want me to help. And I'm a bit lost. And she goes, but that's what you always wanted. And I said, I know, but that was my baby. And no one even <laughs> is giving me any credibility anymore. Like you, you lost your soul. And, and I suppose that's when we started looking at other business you to, models. You need, and, another, you need another walk to the headland, Andy, yeah, and exactly, just, you know, mate. reflect on your success now. <laughs> That'd be a beautiful uh, yeah. 360 degree, wouldn't it? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So, so okay, so you get to that point, you're working an hour a week, happy days, you're no longer putting, you're having to put your hand down toilets, which I'm sure you miss, but hey, you know, we've yeah. all got to move on. <laughs> and you, um, I just realised um, my first question had a bit of a pun in it, uh, when the shit hit the fan. Anyway, yeah. that's a plumber's <laughs> thing, and we move exactly. on. Exactly. Um, do you know, actually, I've, I've actually interviewed Dr. Snip on this show previously. Oh, wow. You're Dr. Drip. And now, yeah, but, wow. You know, Dr. Snip does well, the old, you know, People always say, top. they always say, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. my, yeah. my, mates call, my mates call me Dr. Donger. <laughs> uh, won't even go there. Yeah, Ange, fair enough. Just disgusting. That's just plumber's humour, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Sorry. Totally. I apologise for that. Grow up, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Grow up. So at, at 10 years ago, you launched Lifestyle Tradie in a kind of recognition that 
I imagine there is a whole lot of tradies out there hurting as badly, if not more, than you guys were. So what inspired that decision? It was really interesting. I had a mentor of mine that we'd done quite a bit of work with and he said, Andy, um, can you come up to the Gold Coast? I said, yeah. And he goes, you've got to bring Ange. And it was on like a Monday. And he said, "Um, I want you to come up this Friday. And I said, okay, it sounds pretty serious, mate. You, You definitely need us to come up. He said, yeah. I said, okay, well, no worries. I'll book my flights. And he said, well, just before you book them, it's going to cost you seven grand. I said, seven grand for what? And he said, to spend the day with me. And I said, and this is going back what, 12 years ago or so, I said, seven grand to spend the day with you. He goes, yes, it'll be the best money you've ever spent. I went, okay, let's do it. So <laughs> we um, paid the money and we went up there and and um, he told us that he knew our story and knew who we were and what we did and he said, you know, that it's it, there's so many tradies out there that have been there in this position but they can't turn it around. What I suggest you do is you've got to build a business to educate tradies how to turn their business around to come out the other side and, and that's when Lifestyle Tradie was born. Wow. Just the idea for both of you resonated deeply. Yeah, and we loved it and, and I was sort of – was playing too much golf, I think, at the time. So I, we were up, we were up for something. <laughs> What'd you get the handicap down to? Oh, I got down to ten, mate. I'm a bit of. I could probably play for about sixty these days, but I, <laughs> I, I used to know what I used to know what to do. So lifestyle tradie, what what explain what it is? What's the offer? Oh, uh, so what we really do is we just help uh, people in business that are struggling, and I, I think the main thing is tradies. Yeah, tradies, yeah. And the main thing is in business is people grow their business, but they're they're growing on weak foundations. You know, it's no different to building a house. You know, if you don't start your house with getting the plans drawn up, putting the concrete slab down and the foundations down and building the framework, the house is going to fall over. And most people's businesses are, are built without the found, the plans. They don't have the plans. They don't have the foundations. So when they start to grow, they fall over. And you hear a lot of traders say, I can't get past the million dollar mark and because it's just not possible. Well, it is. It's just you haven't set your business up for the start. So the, the moral of what we do at Lifestyle Trade is educate people. We, we pull them right back to the start of business and go, okay, let's get your business model right and once we get this business model right, you can grow your business to whatever heights and you can, you know, scale your business or you could even sell your business at the end of it. But let's go back to the basics, get everything right and they've got to know their numbers they've got to know where they're going and and once we do that in Lifestyle Trading, it's a complete game changer and there's a lot of self-doubt. Tradies do, although they seem very confident on the outside, there's a lot of internal self-doubt and they go, am I actually doing the right thing? How would I know? You know, so we help them go, no, this is the model. This is what you do. We still do this every day in our business and our members all around Australia and New Zealand do it as well. You do this, you will get success guaranteed. Pre-COVID, how are you delivering that? Yeah, pre-COVID, we're delivering that through uh, live events. So we'd run around the country doing live events. Um, We'd um, have a lot of JV partners. We would do Facebook marketing and just really getting out there and about, uh, which was always a a great way. And I think there's nothing better than being in front of people so they really get an understanding of who Ange and I are because you work very close with us and and, um, for us, We've got an incredible community. We, we have a bit of a, a no dickhead policy. It doesn't matter if you're a one-man show. Yeah, doesn't matter if you're a one-man show or you, and we have people that have over 55 staff. Um, no one is better or bigger than the other. So we just we try and really make this close-knit community where everyone helps each other and, and we've got a great environment. We do have an online program, though, so a lot of it's delivered online. 
Uh, we do a lot of face-to-face stuff too because tradies are really, really tangible. And what's really cool is the fact that the she's are involved too because organically the wife ends up inside the business. You know, she ends up leaving her corporate job. She has had a baby and she says, I kind of could do something to help. And he goes, great, you should do the books, which is really boring. <laughs> so exactly. she ends up involved too. And then now we have this issue between the two of them, which they've never had to face before, which is actually navigating a whole new relationship, you know, of them not just being at work, but also at home. So what's really cool about Lifestyle Trady is, not just helping them in their business, you know, make profit, gain control, basically get their time back, but it actually helps them now, the two of them, bond with others who are very like-minded and give them tips and tricks now to actually uh, make the business better. So they've actually got support. The challenge we see with tradies is they just live this life in isolation, right? Solopreneurs. Yeah, and they're out in the car doing their own thing. She's come from this corporate world with lots and lots of people. Now she works uh, often from home and she's doing stuff she's never known before. So, And tradies uh, historically don't share successes with anybody. So what we love about this community is that they're really, really open and they've finally got a space where they can be really open about bragging, you know, about the successes they've had, but actually share the bad stuff too to actually lean in on others to actually go, I'm here for support. And that's Mm. really cool. I'm interested to just go back to the start of Lifestyle Tradie because it's an event business, essentially, and you are putting bums on seats, which I've always thought to be an incredibly difficult thing to do. Neither of you, I'm guessing, although you're great talent... (laughs) And, and and can talk and have great stories to share. At the end of the day, at this point in time, Andy, you were a plumber, a plumber who had an incredible journey and story to tell. How did you first go about getting bums on seats? How did you, did you have, were there, were there other tradies looking in at you and then you reached, yeah, how does that work? Oh, it's interesting because I was always very scared of talking in on stage and doing that kind of stuff and a, a good mate of mine decided that I had a great story and he put me up on stage in front of 250, told me 50, but there was 250 people there and, and I was so nervous and, and I spent quite a bit of work on it. There's a few funny jokes in there as, as, as you, you sort of know, I'm, I'm a pretty- Who said op- they were funny? <laughs> I did, I did. I, I said that was funny. <laughs> but, uh, and we, we had a, um, and anyway, it went quite well. And at the end of it, I absolutely loved it. So it all sort of started from there as well. And, and getting bums on seats is always hard. Uh, it, it really comes down to people knowing who we are and Facebook advertising. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of tradies that really do need help, you know. And if you look at the 300,000 tradies that are out there, I, I guarantee you about 1% are absolutely smoking and five, and the top five percent are making good money and and the next you know 95 percent are sort of struggling now everyone sees from the outside they think most tradies are braining it and we're all flying around in Ferraris what a load of crap that is cashed up bogans I think is the yeah, word well, isn't it? yeah well bogan's true especially <laughs> in my angle but but yeah you're right but that's what people think but we're not short of a dollar that's it the harder we work the more we make but uh, the the challenge is that the money that comes in the door, but it gets wasted just as quick. And, and that's the challenge that we need to make sure these tradies fix. So getting them to the events is is tough at times because they want to be on the tools and you, you, you're costing them $1,000 a day to come and see you and it, it's, it is tough. 
That's talking about the marketing events that we're doing to actually yeah. bring them in in the first place. Mm. So we actually have an education program that originally they're there, they're committed to a 12-month time frame because there's mm. so much to learn, of course, with regards mm. to setting the foundations. But we have members that have been with us for, you know, seven, eight, nine years. But, mm. um, yeah, so that's what's just, really cool. Just, give us a bit, just to finish on scoping that business because I want to get a couple of case studies off you as to, you know, businesses that you've turned around. So we've got uh, an, a lifestyle tradie, an event business, um, face-to-face, live events, Pre, Pre-COVID, of course, I imagine there's a back-end members area where they can access evergreen content, videos around how to do your books and videos around how to do face, is it right so far, and then opportunities to maybe connect on monthly webinars. Is this what the, is this what the business looks like? So Lifestyle Tradie is essentially a, a membership model. So they start with a 12-month commitment because we we teach them pretty much everything other than not being on the tools because, you know, they've gone to TAFE and they were pretty much set up to fail. They were never taught, you know, what we call platform uh, profit marketing and people and pretty much everything that comes with that. So, so we have an online portal where all of these videos with fast track templates tried and tested that we've done through our trade business are actually shared with these guys. So instead of just teaching someone a trade business about why something's important and what they should do, it becomes very specific about, and this is exactly how you do it inside your business. So the support that the templates and material that they actually can consume concisely is all online. So they can do it in their own time. But the cool thing is they can fast track it. So they can they can just follow our path. They can just do exactly what we're telling them to do and they will definitely get results. And they have um, support from us, support from our team, support from everyone inside the community. And then the community is a huge piece. And that's when the live events actually come in. So yeah, you're right, Tim, we do do a lot of webinars online. So we do masterclasses, but again, that we deep dive into not just what what and why, it's it's this is how you do it. And here's, the, yeah, it's very, very specific, but then the community becomes critically important. Uh, what's your proudest moment? What's the proudest, you know, impact you've had on one of your members? Oh my God, we have, we have so many. Come on. Uh, I want I th- tears, Ange. No, I want tears, Andy. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I'm a bit of a softie at heart. Um, I, I think for me it's after running a, a three-day event, there's a lot of work that goes into running these events and, and standing up on stage and, and thanking my team and thanking my awesome wife and thanking the crowd. I think that's the point that it really hits home to what we've done and how we're changing people's lives. And and um, I get so many husband and wives that come up to us in these events as well where they, we wouldn't even be in business now, we wouldn't even be together now if if it wasn't for you so from the you know that's the bit that really touches touches us and I, I, that's absolutely huge especially when you've got these guys saying to you I was burnt out I just had no love for my business anymore we were actually talking about closing the doors we were hemorrhaging the accountant was telling us to maybe close the doors and then they found us and they became members and then within, you know, 12, 18 months, they're now talking to us about these huge revenue growths and profit growths and equity growths inside the business. And they're having these meetings with these accountants and the accountant's going, what have you been doing? And it's just so good to see these guys find passion in their business again and find a way as a, as a, um, as a couple too, to actually really hum inside their business. It's just, Mm. we just love it. In your experience, is it, Often, because you're dealing with often dealing with people like you were, who are in the absolute shitter. They are in very dark moments. 
In your experience, do you find that it actually is often one simple decision that can turn everything around or actually it's going to take months, but you have to start somewhere? We do these live events right around Australia, these national tours, which before they become a member, and it's really just an opportunity for them to truly hear things that they should be doing inside the business. So trade trade business owners and their partners can honestly come to these live events or get hold of resources or read our book and truly go, that was amazing. I, I'm just going to go do those things. I'm not actually going to join Lifestyle Trading just yet. But they often will come to these live events and we'll have these guys, big, bold, confident men and by the end of the day are actually in tears telling you their true story around what's going on inside their world and often I'll find out that again same story I haven't told my wife this I haven't told her how much money we're losing blah 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 and I agree with you Tim it's definitely this one moment in time that that they'll say enough's enough they've just got to draw a line in the sand and just go I've just got to step over it and I've got to trust someone uh, and if you guys have done this and if you've actually turned your life around, that you can't tell me that I can't do it. It's like exactly one moment, that one split decision, that one day is actually going to make a difference, but you have to do what I tell you, follow it. I dare not take this wonderfully emotional conversation into the world of marketing, but I'm going to. <laughs> you cover a lot of areas at Lifestyle Trady, people, money, marketing. What marketing advice do you give your tradies? So the main thing that we work with is um, getting their business model right first and working on low-cost marketing. So when people first come to see us, it's like we don't want them to spend mega bucks on marketing and not get the return they need. They need to get their business model right. They need to get their low-cost marketing sorted out. And then once they've got all that right, they can start spending big dollars on marketing where they're going to get a really good investment. You know, um, obviously, you know, you're very involved in the marketing piece, but most marketers out there, um, the big thing for them is they've got tradies, they can get the phone to ring, but if the tradie doesn't deal with that customer the right way, the marketing seems like it doesn't work, but it's not the marketing that doesn't work. It's a bloody tradie that's not doing the right thing to bring in the income and the ROI. There's a part that starts, which is we help them understand who their true avatar is. Too many tradies will just say yes to any sort of work and wonder why they're breaking even or going backwards every single day. And it actually comes down to the fact that they just say yes to absolutely everything. So the first communication is definitely around who is it that you're actually trying to work with? Who's your key avatar or target audience? Who is this A-grade client that has money, willing to spend it, willing to spend it with you and pays their bills? I love it. Music to my ears. Like essentially, you're asking them to define a niche. And yes. in doing that, you're actually asking them to say no to people who don't fit in that niche. And 100%. that's hard because, you know, money in their eyes is money, but not necessarily. Um, so know your avatar. You mentioned, Andy, low cost. You get them to work on the low cost marketing ideas first. What are, what are the top three low-cost marketing ideas that they, you're asking them to work on? Yeah, so some of the – obviously branding is getting your branding right, getting the, the boys looking nice and tidy as well, getting a really good website, um, business cards, which aren't such a big thing now. But one of the things that we did, which was always really important, it, it, the, the landscape is changing, but there's there's digital marketing and there's – and there's um, Online and uh, offline. Online and offline, mm. that's right, yeah. So, you know, we try and have a mixture of the two because I think offline marketing, there's still a place for that, but it costs quite a big, dollar, big dollars and it's harder. So we've gone through the magnet size on a, a deal 
flyer in an envelope that goes in and we did 300,000 of them and you get them delivered around and it gets on the fridge. But fridges and things like that are changing. So the the landscape is changing a no, lot. No, they're the, not. <laughs> fridge is a bloody fridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's the stainless steel for the fancy fridges, yeah, mate. You can't stick the magnets on. Magnet doesn't stick to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the mix of offline and online and you're right. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is good to have that mix. But some of the offline stuff can be expensive. Is there, is there one marketing idea that you share with all tradies that is just like everyone goes, that's awesome, that's a no-brainer, and it works. Yeah, there is. Um, I will start on on AdWords because that's on everyone's lips these days. And and um, we have some of our members that are spending between 50 and 100 grand a month on just on AdWords. But the thing is, that's the only marketing that gets your phone to ring pretty much straight away, but you're paying mega bucks for it. So you need to make sure on the other side, you're doing the right thing to do that. But I think the other thing is your customers that you've already built up, working with a referral base, you know. Um, for us at Dr. Droop, we work on 76% repeat customers and, and we're a real fan on spending a lot of money on our repeat customers to make sure they know and love us, especially in an environment like this. That's where the majority of our work is coming through the door at this point in time. Yeah, that's interesting. Great advice on the old repeat customer thing. Am I right? You, you triggered a, a thought. Uh, am I right in saying you spend, you have previously spent a fair bit of dough getting your search engine optimization right using an agency, and then at some point in time, Google made an update to their algorithm, which they do often, and they often make every now and then make a major update, which completely did it blacklist your business, or did it at least throw Jeez, you right mate. back? <laughs> have you have you been doing research on no, that? Oh you yeah, tap yeah. Into Part so, of being a podcaster, I'll, yeah, I'll explain well, it later, well. Andy. Yeah, so Dr. Drip, um, for the search term Plumber Sydney, was always number one for a very long time in Plumber Sydney going back. And and we also had another 110 websites as well. And out of those 110 websites, 90 of them were number one. And um, we were dominating maps and we we're dominating a lot of things. But um, like with anything in a, in a marketing world, if you put yourself up on a pedestal, everyone's there to knock you off. And, and I think a few people had a few sneaky little words to Google and and things change quite rapidly. So we went from um, bringing in a, a lot of leads because we were just totally dominating to Google putting that black band. So I'm not necessarily the fan of pushing Google like that again because if you do, if you spend all that money to grow it and then you get shut down, it was it's sort of like a bit of a kick in the guts and a waste of money. But but back then when Google was first sort of coming out and it sounds like a, an eternity ago, but you know I remember Trady saying to me. Oh, Google, you know, Google just won't take off. It's, you know, and I'm like, I just look back <laughs> on that. But, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so we really dominated from the start and, and took it to a whole nother level. And, and this day and age, you know, spending money on search engine optimization and that sort of thing, it's a, it's a really, really tough gig. And um, it's very hard for majority of people to find the right company that constantly brings the right result for them. How'd you, how did you overcome the blacklisting or didn't you? Well, no, we took a bit of a hit, but we just had to change the style of work that we did, you know, and and um, we still uh, got the phones ringing, but we spent more money on our internal, our repeat customers, and, and we built more websites and we did a thousand things, mate, to, mm. to try and make it right. And, and we helped, but it's never been the same from the glory days. And and what what happened there as well was when we started Lifestyle Tradie, my whole passion, everything was really into lifestyle tradie and we decided we'd dumb Dr. Drip right down to a 
to a smaller business. So we're only running five to six trucks at the moment. We're not running like we were in the past. And it's just a smaller model with no hassles, with when something goes wrong and there's a drama, I don't need to get involved anymore. It all gets sorted out. And and um, and for me, that's just a perfect model, especially when you're running a few different businesses. Do you think there is an opportunity? Because I love what you've done. I love the pivot that you've made. I love the fact that you are now helping other people in your industry do well. Do you think there's an opportunity for others listening? It might be an architect, it might be a masseur, it could be, you know, whatever they are, to kind of follow the lifestyle tradey business model and become the leaders in that industry? 100%. I think like any uh, like any industry, you could literally pick up what we're doing niched into trade specifically and there'd definitely be other people in other niches who also have had stories just like ours and have somehow worked out the success codes that have made them do well and get to a point where the business is profitable and they don't have to be involved in the business. They just need now the drive and the passion to now educate, to teach the right way so that in essence you could easily franchise uh, but it's not the model we've decided to go down because tradies want to own their yeah. own name and I think that's the right way to go. I, help I, them do well. I think there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of people and it's becoming the coaching scene is becoming really big in the last five years. But mm. the, the challenge that I see is you get a lot of people that have gone in business, they've never ever made it in business, they've never really had the ups and downs and they try and be the expert then and they don't own and still run their business and, and they try and teach others how to do it. It, but they just don't have enough experience. They just don't have the runs on the board. And, and um, yes, they can get a few clients here and there, but it always ends in disaster. And and that's what I'm finding. There's a lot more people trying to come into our space now, but there's a there's a real difference between who we are at Lifestyle Trading and majority of them. Um, most of them aren't a husband and wife team like us. They don't still, still run and own their own trade business as well. And they've never been successful in their own right, but they're trying to teach success to everyone else. I'm not really a big fan of that. I, you know, I think helping people is a great thing, but there's an element there that if you can't do it yourself, then do you really think you've got what it takes to teach people? You need to have been to the headland twice. (laughs) Exactly, mate. I love that headland. Angela and Andy Smith, awesome. Such a great story. Thank you for sharing. uh, That first half of the conversation, I mean, I'm sure you've shared it many times from stage, but it would never be easy. And I really thank you for your honesty and transparency because I I can only think that it's helping others listening. Um, If there are any tradies listening, lifestyletradie.com.au is where you can go and sign up and get involved. And I think even if you're not a tradie, uh, I think whatever you do, go and have a look at that business model because it could be something if you are being forced to pivot thanks to uh, this pandemic that we are currently in, then maybe there is a business idea there for you. Guys, I wish you all the success in the future. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Tim. How good were those two? A very, very happy couple indeed. Andy and Angela Smith. Such a great story. Here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with them. Attention grabber number one. I loved how when the shit hit the fan and they were in a mountain of trouble and debt, one of the first questions they asked was, where can we save dollars? The reality is, I believe in both business and life generally, we accumulate way too much of everything that we just don't need. So maybe it's time to look around your business and ask yourself, what bright, shiny objects have I bought, have I spent money on that I'm just not using? And maybe it's time to just kind of pare back. Attention grabber number two, 
I can't remember which one of them said it, but the idea of owning up to not knowing everything when it comes to running a business is a damn good idea. Acknowledge your strengths and get others to stand in and up in those areas where you're just no good. Put ego aside, put pride aside and own that. And attention grabber number three... I love the idea of helping others within your industry. You know, Andy and Angela have taken that to an extreme, but it begs the question, who can you help in your industry and how? That's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours, be sure to block out some time and implement it. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. It's time to reward another motivated listener for taking some serious marketing action. Now, before I do that, just before going on air, I got an email from the winner of episode 504, Jason Asino, and he just said, hey, Timbo, thanks for the mention and allowing me to win the Monster Drop prize draw. I have had other business owners contact me to create partnerships as a result of that. Boom. This stuff works, guys. Get yourself on a podcast. You may well get noticed and wonderful things will happen. Anyway, today's winner is wellness coach Glenn Hansen of Vector Health. And Glenn says, hi, Tim. Hi, Glenn. I have listened to a lot of your episodes. Ah, you're the one. They are fantastic. There is nothing out there like your show, mate. Probably heard that before, but I never get tired of positivity. And Glenn... I never get tired of hearing that. To identify the amount of things we have implemented into our business due to listening to the Small Business Big Marketing podcast is tough as there are so many. And I've got to say, guys, Glenn sent me quite a long email with a very long list of things that he's implemented and what impact he's had on the business. I've just chosen one. And it is the chat with dentist fellow Paddy Lund, says Glenn. The whole lock your door exclusive thing was amazing. It has definitely helped me define what we do and who we do it with. Our industry is full of people who paste their customer transformations all over the place. We do not, says Glenn. We hold results internally with each client. We market exclusivity and privacy as two of our biggest draw cards, and it has been to great effect in that our client list is mainly business owners and managers who love that approach. I'm going to put the entire uh, email from Glenn because he does share some other ideas that he's implemented and they are awesome. And I'll put them over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 510. Hey, Glenn, for your brilliance in implementing those marketing ideas, you have won a full range of Liars Non-Alcoholic Spirits, a hardcover of Jamie Mustard's book, The Iconist, a Bonjouro license, vouchers from Sendal, Flora and Fauna and Tradies, eight-pack of Mr. Lee's noodles, promotion on this show, and a backlink in the show notes. Well done, buddy. Everyone else, send me an email, tim at timreed.com.au. Not as long as Glenn's. I just don't have that attention span. Um, But just tell me one idea you've implemented from listening to the show, what impact it's had on your business. If I read that out on air, you win. Holy dooly. That pretty much wraps up episode 510. There's plenty more where this came from, though, so don't stress. I know you're not, but, you know, just in case you were, you can head over to the Podcast One Australia app 
Plus, you'll find my entire archive of episodes and blog posts over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Next time, you and I cover the confronting topic of business networking with a fellow who's made it his business, literally, to help business owners like you and I network much more naturally and much more effectively. No more tripping over your tongue when you walk into that, you know, that that business function and going, oh my God, who am I going to talk to? How am I going to make this work for my business? Should I be here? Is everyone looking at me? You know all that stuff. We cover it in the next episode. If you're getting value from listening, then please let other business owners know about the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, which was presented by me, Timbo Reid, and ingeniously put together by the humble yet wonderfully extroverted team at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Now get out there and take action. Listener.